Good morning, everybody. How many are happy to be in the house of the Lord? Can you say amen? amen. Today is the second Sunday in 2022, and we've got so much planned for 2022, so much that God has put in our hearts. And I'm going to give you the theme for the year today, but before I give you the theme and the promise of God for 2022, I want to tell you a story. There was a man by the name of Stuart Butterfield. Back in 2004, Stuart Butterfield had a dream. And his dream was to build a massive multiplayer online video game that people from all over the world could play. So he wrote a business plan and he pitched it to some venture capitalists and they got excited about it too. And they gave him millions of dollars in startup capital and he hired a team and he spent a good year, most of 2004, building out this product. But by the end of 2004, it was obvious that his video game was a bust. Nobody was interested in it. All of the focus groups failed. The technology was whack. And finally, at the end of 2004, he went back to his investors and he said, I'm sorry, but I'm gonna have to shut this down. You've all lost your money. Now, venture capitalists, they understand that that happens from time to time. So they're like, all right, no big deal. It's just money. So he goes back to the office and he starts laying off his employees. And when he gets down to the last few employees, something is drawn to his attention. You see, one of his developers said, you know, in the process of working on this game, we actually created this program that allows you to click something online and drag it into a folder, and that actually doesn't really exist anywhere. Why don't we turn that into something? And he said, you know what, that's a good idea. And somebody said, you know what would be cool is if we could create a website where people could upload their photos and then drag them into folders. And they, he said, that's a great idea. So he went back to the investors and he said, is there a way we can just try something else and pivot this? And they were like, yeah, go for it. And so they created this, this little website called Flickr. You heard of that? You remember Flickr? They built Flickr and then sold it to Yahoo for $25 million. So this failure of a video game turned into a success that would have been bigger than the success of the video game. So now he's, exit, he's made this successful exit and he's got a few million dollars and a few years go by and he thinks, you know what? I think I want to try to build that video game again. Yeah. So he goes back to these venture capitalists and he says, hey, I want to take another stab at that video game. I think it's going to work. It's going to be multiplayer, massive. People all over the world are going to play it. So they're like, no problem. So they invested millions of dollars and he hires a team. This time he hires an even bigger team and he's got like hundreds of employees and he spends at least a year building out this thing and guess what happened? It failed again. It was a bust. And as he goes back to the venture capitalists and says, sorry, I squandered your money again. You're going to lose it all. It's over. They said, no problem. He said, I'm shutting the thing down. He went back to the office and started laying everybody off, but he got down to the last few employees and somebody said, but you know what? While we were developing the game, we created this little communication tool. We call it the, uh, the, the storage of, hold on, I wrote it down, what, what, what they called it. My, my, my brain farted again. Um, they called it the searchable log of all conversation and knowledge. 
And they were like, why don't we turn this searchable log of all conversation and knowledge into something? And so he goes back to the developers and says, can we try to pivot this thing? And they're like, no problem. And so he says, we're going to take this searchable log of all conversation and knowledge and turn it into a communication tool that teams could use for companies around the world. And that searchable log of all conversation and knowledge, they turned it into an acronym, SLACK which they then sold eventually to Salesforce for $27 billion. Wow. So the first failure netted $25 million. And the second failure netted $27 billion. Wow, wow. What came out of both failures was far more valuable than the success would have been. Had he simply succeeded with the video game the first time, nobody would have heard of it anymore. Yeah. Right. Had he succeeded with the video game the second time, nobody would have heard of it anymore. Yeah. But out of those two failures came iconic successes yeah. that were far more valuable. Yeah. Now, let's get to the promise of 2022. My wife does this thing where she prays at the beginning of every year, and God gives her these powerful prophetic promises. And you know the promise the Lord gave her for, for 2022? The Lord said, I'm going to redeem your weaknesses. I'm going to redeem your weaknesses. And the verse of scripture God gave her was Isaiah chapter 61, verse 7. Isaiah chapter 61, verse 7. Instead of your shame, you shall have double honor. And instead of confusion, you shall rejoice in your inheritance. Instead of your shame, you shall have double honor. Another translation says, instead of shame, my people shall receive a double portion. And instead of disgrace, they will rejoice in their inheritance. Instead of shame, you're going to receive a double portion. And instead of disgrace, you're going to rejoice in your inheritance. This is the promise of God over 2022. God is going to redeem your failures. And this is the word of the Lord for 2022, that this is the year of redemption. This is the year of redemption. That is, many of us are going to have to look back on failures of the past because you've left blessings in the shards of those failures that you never pulled out of the ashes. That God is calling us to look back on stuff that fell apart that you walked away from thinking it was a complete waste. But there's something in there, a searchable log of all conversation and knowledge in the shards of that failed project that God says, go back because I've got something in that failure that I want to redeem something that's far more valuable than the success of your endeavor would have been. The stuff that falls apart in your life is far more valuable than the stuff that works. That's the word of the Lord for you in 2022. The year of redemption. God says, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by your name. You are mine. When you walk through the waters, I will be with you. Through the rivers, they will not overflow you. And when you walk through the fire, you will not be burned, for I am the Lord your God. This is the year of redemption. Now, the word redemption means to buy back, to purchase back. Mr. Butterfield failed. And then something came out of that failure that Yahoo bought or redeemed. 
his failure of a few million dollars was redeemed or bought back for $25 million. His second failure of a few million dollars was redeemed or bought back for $27 billion. There's something of value in the stuff that falls apart in your life, the stuff that fails in your life, that is of greater value to you than if it would have succeeded. And this is the key. We often, we often question why God allows us to walk through certain things. I mean, after all, he's all-knowing. Like, you didn't see that coming, God? What happened there? You couldn't have warned a brother? I mean, haven't you ever felt that? You couldn't, you couldn't have said something? It's like you see me walk into a room where there's folks waiting in that room to beat the tar out of me, and God just watches me walk right into that room. Go, go ahead, Benjamin, you're all right. Matter of fact, sometimes the Lord even directs me. The Lord says, go right on in there. What's, what's my next step, Lord? Oh, your next step? Walk right on in there. And then I get the, the, the tar beat. I get my teeth kicked in. I think, God, what happened there? I thought you loved me. This is the fundamental principle that you need to get in your spirit. God will not deliver you from that which is more profitable for you to walk through. Can I say that again? God will not deliver you from that which is more profitable for you to endure. God looks at certain circumstances and says, I could deliver him. I could deliver her. I could protect her. I could shield him from that. But it would be more profitable to her. It would be more profitable to him if I let him walk through it. And all of us have this thing on the inside of us that, that wars against that idea. Because as human beings, fallen human beings, we have two priorities. The first is self-protection. And the self, the, the second is self-projection. I want to protect myself, which means I want safety. And I want to project myself, which means I want freedom. I simultaneously want the freedom to project myself and the freedom and the safety to protect myself. And neither of those things are God's priority. His priority is your per perfection. God is more interested in your perfection than in your protection or your projection. That is, he looks at your life and says, if I allow you to prioritize per protection, you're sacrificing perfection. This thing that you're walking through, it's designed to perfect you. But you're mad at me because I did not protect you. And, and what you don't realize is you expected me to protect you from that which will perfect you. It's like you don't realize that you're an Olympic athlete. And the coach will not protect you from your workouts. And when you feel broken down, you're supposed to be broken down. You don't realize that you are in strict training, that God is preparing you for something, that he's getting ready, he's getting you ready for something. And every exercise, every workout is designed to push you to the place of exhaustion. And then the next one pushes you a little further. And the next one pushes you a little further. And you don't realize that your light and momentary afflictions are working for you a glory that exceeds them all. Because we think like civilians. 
instead of like soldiers. We see the Christian life as a pickup game instead of recognizing that we are Olympic athletes and that we are training. We are in strict training. So what do we have to do? How do we get into pole position, as Pastor Jamerson said last Sunday? How do we position ourselves for maximal cooperation with the Spirit of God? In other words, if the Spirit of God is preparing us for something, if the Spirit of God is perfecting us through everything that we walk through in our lives, as the Scripture says, in all things, God works for the good of those who love Him, who are the called according to His purpose, for whom He foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son. If God is already in the process of doing that, He's already determined that your destination is to look like Jesus, how do we get ourselves into pole position so that we position ourselves for maximal cooperation with what the Holy Spirit does? In other words, how do we not disqualify ourselves from the victory, the redemption that is to come out of the ashes of our trials? And the answer to that is simple. We must embrace the discipline of Stuart Butterfield. And that's the discipline of looking for the blessing in the midst of your failure. You say this after me. There's something redeemable here. Lord, how do we redeem this? There's something redeemable here. You've got to get that in your spirit. You've got to wake up in the morning, and every time you hit a difficult place, there's something redeemable here. Every time you hit a trial, there's something redeemable here. What does this make possible? Every time you hit a snag, every time something falls apart, every time you hit a wall, every time you hit an obstacle, every time something grinds you to powder, every time something frustrates you to no end, there's something redeemable here. There's something redeemable here. God, open my eyes to see what's redeemable about this. Open my eyes to see what what this makes possible that was not possible before. Open my eyes to see, not realizing that had the video game not failed, they never would have found Flickr. Sometimes you can't see the slack within your game until the game fails. Looking back, Butterfield is so thankful that that game failed. But secondly, you can't get to your flicker or your slack until you try the game. Neither could he look back and say, you know what would have been better if I just never even tried building the game? I should have just figured out how to build flicker and slack. No, he never would have found it. He never would have built it. There's stuff that you're building right now and that God is building in you that you never would have arrived at, you never would have figured out, you never would have seen had you not taken the course of action. That's why, see, this is the thing. We have this idea in our minds that whatever the will of God is, it should work and it should not cause any pain. And we've forgotten what the foundation of our faith actually is. Jesus died. And if you were one of his disciples, you would have experienced that as the failure of his ministry. You would have experienced that as the failure of his promises. If you were one of the twelve, standing, watching him suffer and die on the cross, everything inside you would have been saying, no, this is wrong, this can't happen, how could this be the will of God? He must not be who he said he was. 
See, we look back on the cross with 2,000 years of history between us. We've got his history on our side. We understand what the disciples could not have understood at the time. That's why Peter just went back fishing. Everything that he said must not be true. And Jesus had to come redeem them from the thought process that says this is a failure. We are failures. Everything we believed has come to nothing. One by one, he came to redeem the disciples from that mindset of it's over and done. We failed and we completely lost everything. That mindset is what locks you in a prison of failure. Where instead of being a stepping stone, failure becomes a tomb. Sometimes all we need is somebody that we trust to be the voice of the Spirit of God that opens the door of that tomb and pulls us out of it. I remember when I was working on my PhD and I had been working on it for eight years and I was two and a half years into my dissertation and I was dismissed from the program. I I never forget, I'm sitting at my desk, I'm working at my, my next submission for my doctoral supervisor, I'm working hard, my wife comes to the table with a letter, a, a letter. She goes, baby, you need to read this letter. I said, baby, I can't read it right now, I'm working on my dissertation. She goes, baby, I, you need to stop and read this right now. So I stop and I take the letter and I open it up and it says, dear Mr. Robinson, this is to inform you that you are officially dismissed from the PhD, con- uh, uh, from the PhD Uh, program, and we will not be renewing you for another term. And I was devastated. Eight and a half years of my life, and it was a failure. Countless hours, sleepless nights, hundreds of books read, hundreds of pages of papers written, and it was a complete failure. It came to nothing. That's what it felt like in that moment. And I felt shame pulling me into a tomb. Shame and disgrace. How can I look my wife in the face now? All these years of sacrifice she made so that I could embark on this course of study, and I failed. How can I even go back to church and look my congregation in the face? For eight years, they've been encouraging me and praying for me and strengthening me and standing beside me and supporting me while I go through this process, and now I have to go tell them that I failed. I felt my soul slipping into a tomb of disgrace. Shame was just pulling me down. Get down here. You're worthless. Get down here. You failed. Get down here. You're not as smart as you think you are. You don't know nothing. It's all come to nothing. And my wife says to me, and honestly, I wanted her to leave the room at the moment because I wanted to be alone with my shame. That's what shame does. It says, why don't you push everybody away so it's just you and me? So that I'm free to tell you everything that's in my heart to tell you. You know how wisdom stands on the street corner and cries out and says, if if you're willing, I'll pour out my heart to you. Shame does the same thing. Shame says, if you're willing, I'll pour out my heart to you and I'll tell you everything about yourself that's antithetical to what God says about you. And I'll lock you in a tomb. And you'll live in this disgrace for the rest of your life. And my wife said to me, how do you feel? And the first thought that hit my mind, honestly, was, how, how the F do you think I feel? <laughs> Sorry, just to keep it real, that's, that's the first thing that hit my mind. But I knew that wasn't a, a good thing to say to my wife. <laughs> you know, 
Because, you know, I mean, if I feel bad now, <laughs> I was smart enough to know, you know what I mean? You know what I'm saying? Like, don't compound errors, right? <laughs> and so I told her how I felt. I said, I feel completely disgraced. And I feel like I can't even look you in the eye because you sacrificed the, mo- mo- the most. And she said, I don't think you should feel that way at all. I said, what do you mean? She said, I believe that this is God. And I believe that this is God's well done to you. And I believe that what the Lord is saying is you went there for a piece of paper. But my process and your process are two different processes. What I had you there for, you got it. You got what I put you there to get. Now I'm saying well done. I believe this is God's well done and that you should not hang your head for a second. And when she said that, the shame broke off of me and the disgrace fell off of my spirit. Why? Because I had someone next to me who had the wisdom of the Lord to pull me out of the tomb of shame. Instead of shame, my people shall receive a double portion. Instead of shame. Let me say something to you. The most important thing you will do this year, the most important decision you will make is to get into a community group and do community. I'm going to say that again. The most important thing you will do this year is commit yourself to community. Devote yourself to community. What do I mean by community? I'm not talking about the Sunday service. That's the assembly. The koinonia, the community. In the early church, they met daily in the temple courts. That was the large group meeting. And then they met from house to house. Those were the small group meetings. They would meet in the temple courts and the apostles would preach and they would hear the word of the Lord. But then they would go house to house and they would break it down for each one. And each one would would engage the word and share with one another, this is what it means, and this is what I'm hearing, and this is what God is speaking to me. And then they would hold one another accountable, and they would support one another. In community, we experience both accountability and support. And I need both. And the reason why the most important thing you will do is get into community this year and commit and devote yourself to community is because that is the place where brothers and sisters in Christ that you co-submit to one another will have permission, your permission, to call you up out of your grave. Because some of you haven't hit that moment yet where shame has covered your face and started to pull you down into that grave. But I promise you those moments are coming. When you want to isolate yourself, When shame says to you, just be by yourself, just sit in a room by yourself, don't talk to anybody, deal with this on your own, that shame's way of isolating you so it can destroy you. But the most important decision you will make is to commit yourselves to a small group of believers and say, I'm giving you permission to call me out. When you see shame pulling me down, please call me out. But my commitment to you is I'm not going to lock you out in that moment. Wow. Yeah, that's it. 
Butterfield had a small group of people that were able to see something in his failure that he couldn't see. And that's why it was redeemed. Both times it was not him who saw it. It was someone close to him, someone that he allowed to walk close enough to him to say it looks to you like it's a complete loss. It's not a complete loss. It's a new beginning. It looks to you like everything has failed. Everything has not failed. It's just beginning. We've just discovered what the actual answer is. And we do that in community. And we've got... We got something planned for you that's going to start at the end of February that's going to blow your mind. A process that is going to jumpstart God's process of bringing redemption into the broken places of your life. But the fundamental conviction and commitment that will be the engine and the motor behind it is community. You were not created to be a lone wolf. You can't see it by yourself. And I've experienced that over and over and over again. That at the very place where all I could see when I looked around, and this this is the key. What we don't realize is that the true function of Scripture is to contextualize your reality. If you lived in the first century world, you lived in a world in which it was illegal to be a Christian. You lived in a world in which Christians were tied to trees in Caesar's garden, covered with tree sap, and burned alive as candles for Caesar's parties. You lived in a world in which Christians were thrown into the Colosseum and torn to pieces by wild animals, sometimes cooked alive in humongous skillets. You lived in a world that was full of dangers on every side. You lived in a world that was fraught with economic challenges, in a world that was fraught with all kinds of dangers on every side. But yet, the Apostle John writes from his prison island, And he starts his letter to the churches with these words, Behold, he is coming with clouds. John says, when you look around, all you see is danger. But when I look around, all I see is he's coming with clouds. This is the reality that contextualizes my life. What scripture does is it calls us to see reality at a higher level. Through the lens. And that's why the letter is called the Revelation. It's the unveiling of what you can't see by your natural eyes. And God is inviting us this year to see by revelation what we cannot see by our natural eyes. God is inviting us to open our eyes and to see that the reality is not failure. Just as the reality of the cross of Jesus Christ was not failure. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, Paul talks about the secret wisdom of God that none of the rulers of this world knew because he said, had they known it, they wouldn't have crucified the Lord of glory. They thought they were defeating him 
Instead, God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not counting men's sins against them. They thought they were defeating him. They didn't realize that they were playing right into God's hand, that they were doing what God had determined before the foundation of the world, that God had determined that what seemed to be the failure of Jesus Christ was actually his ultimate success. And that is the lens, the lens of the cross through which God invites us to view and to perceive every aspect of our life that at the very place where it looks like death, it's actually new life. And the very place where it looks like failure, it's actually a new beginning. And the very place where it looks like the door has closed, God has set before you an open door. And the invitation of the Spirit of God is behold, open your eyes. God invites you to see a new beginning in what seems like it has died. Unless the kernel of wheat falls to the earth and dies, it can bear no fruit. But if it falls to the earth and dies, it bears much fruit. There are failures in 2021 that you have not perceived the value of. Failures in 2020, 2019, and for some of us, from years past that we have not perceived the value of. And God is saying, go back, not to lament about what was lost, but to collect the riches that you didn't see before. I'm going to open your eyes to see them. God says, I'm going to redeem your failures in 2022. That's the promise of God. This is the year of redemption. Bow your heads and let's pray. Precious Heavenly Father, I thank you that you are here and that you are speaking mightily by the power of your word and spirit. Lord, I pray in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ that you would open the eyes of our heart, that you would give us revelation. Lord, I pray for those who are lingering in the pit of shame. I pray for those who have experienced failure such that shame has begun to pull them down into a tomb of despair. Lord, you said that the day would come when the dead would hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. And God, today, let that day be now that that deathbed of shame and despair would be broken that that grave would explode open, and that new life would come. You are the lifter of our heads. And I pray that you would lift heads today, God. You, O oh Lord, are a shield about me. You're my glory and the lifter of my head. Lift heads today. And I pray that if there's anyone here, online or even in this place, who has not opened their hearts to receive Jesus as Lord and Savior, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would move on those hearts, that those hearts would open, and that, Lord, you would come in and save. I speak blessing and encouragement today in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. 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 Amen.